Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Gillian Devlin in for Joan Ash on Live 95. We are joined by Minister Patrick O'Donovan in the studio this morning. Good morning to you, morning, Minister. Good morning, listeners. Um, Patrick, uh, you're here to talk to was this morning about uh, the Kings Island Flood Relief Programme. It was 10 years ago mm. that a combination of high tides, storm force winds and wintry showers over one weekend resulted in the worst flooding that the city has experienced in living memory. The Shannon burst its banks. Hundreds of people were helped by emergency services and volunteers. I still remember the images. I, I don't think anybody can forget them. Uh, boats going around uh, St Mary's Park. It was absolutely something thing that you, you you normally see on your your television from foreign parts. Let's going to take a, a little bit of a, a listen back to some of the coverage on Live 95 from back in 2014 and the Kings Island flooding. Yeah, there's actually oh, there some go. cars floating down in the estate. John Gilligan, the council, his car was actually floating and the small cars and there's elderly people and there's time back to be known. When we walked this morning at 8 o'clock, I was running crying, I couldn't, with the fright I got. Mm-hmm. We can't get out, sure, we have to stay. They had to walk from the estate up. It was in my porch. I was praying it wouldn't come in the door. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old that I had to get out in a boat first this morning when I woke up, so... Well, we're ghost, basically. Floors, carpets, coaches, everything. Woke up this morning at... We all got woke up by neighbours and we opened our front doors. By seven o'clock, no, the estate was just... And how did you get out? Waders. 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 Chest waders. The only way I'd go down, go down, check on the older folks. Our boys and kids are still at home, like, but I went down checking on the older folks and make sure they were okay. But It seems it's the only way to go, uh, pony and trap. The only way in and out. It's very bad down. I'm down at the very end of Severus Park now. It's not too bad. It came in under the car uh, sometime this morning, but it's gone down now as far as this edge this day. But there's other houses there that are so bad. My sister and I had to be boated out of it this morning. It's so bad down there. This man that brought me down on the horse and cart, he's one in a million. I don't know, I have to go out and get messages, SP cards, heating, because I've not run the house. And I normally drive, but as you can see, there's nowhere in the house unless you get the horse and sulky. That's the only way. It's almost incredible to to listen back to that and to believe that that actually happened. And 10 years ago, in some ways, it's a long time for people to wait for something to happen, but it's not that long ago either. And, uh, you know, we're getting storms every winter. What are your thoughts when you hear hear it there, Patrick? Well, you know, it, it could be anywhere in the country, unfortunately, that, that uh, has experienced it in my time. And the stories are the very same everywhere, whether it is in Enniscorthy or Middleton or Kings Island. The, 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 the stories are the same everywhere. And the problem is that the frequency of them is is increasing. They're getting worse. Um, the Atlantic storms that we've seen coming of, over the last uh, number of years, um, the frequency of those has been gotten a lot worse. We're up to letter <clears throat> J, I think now in 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 winter storms for this year, which is unheard of. We've ten of them already done. Uh, but look, this is a good day for those residents um, uh, in, in the immediate city centre here in Limerick, the oldest part of, of the city. That uh, we're now finally being able to move to uh, uh, go to tender. Um, so we'd hope to have a contractor in place shortly and construction commencing this summer. Um, and that will be transformative, not only for the residents uh, of the city centre and the business people in the city centre who have been, uh, you know, living under an awful spectre of, of uh, fear when it comes to these um, named storms. And if there's westerly winds and a full tide, 
and, and, and a heavy amount of water being released out of Loch Derg at the same time and you have a perfect combination. But as well as that, it, it, it will enhance the investability, if that's such a word, in the city centre as well because a lot of people... No, rightly so. Look at maps uh, when they're purchasing properties or when they're seeing where they live or where they'll invest. And they'll say, well, look, there was a there was a, a big flood there in X year and until such time as it's dealt with, we'll kind of steer clear of it. So this is a massive investment by the government through the Office of Public Works um, into Limerick City Centre. And since I was appointed to OPW, it's been one of the ones that have been anxious to, to try and get to this stage because being local, remembering those uh, vices on this radio programme and other stations and, and hearing their testimony, uh, you want to try and make sure that you make the biggest impact possible in your own backyard. So this will be the biggest scheme that we will have going to construction this year uh, in the Office of Public Works. And it's a massive investment, as I say, by the government, protecting over 520 properties. And so it's not small. It will be it will be complicated. Uh, we know that. And a lot of the time over the last number of years, people say, how has it taken so long? Well, well that, that was the question I was going to ask yeah. you. Ten years. I mean, these promises were made to the people at the time. Well, I think since I took over this job, the one thing I don't do is time frames. And, you know, on radio programmes like this, or if it's Shannon Side or LMFM or C103 or wherever I am, you know, people say, when is it going to start? The simple answer is we don't know until we get out of planning permission. And planning permission for these are, are, are very, very complicated. Up until, the, up until the end, we had issues with regard to, you know, the, the key walls and things like that and how they were going to be protected. And a lot of people roll their eyes when they hear these, you know, issues and say, well, what about us? Unfortunately, we don't set the ground rules for, for planning permission. They're set for us. And environmental constraints are a big issue uh, for the delivery of these massive schemes. Like we will be putting up glazing, okay. embankments, sheet piling, walls, you name it, and it'll be going into this area. Patrick, have you ever been stuck in a train? I'm sure you have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to hear when you're stuck in a train, you want to have an idea what time you're going to get to your destination. Yeah, and uh, everybody needs that. And I know you you may not be able to give an actual date no. of when it'll be finished. But people deserve to have some sure. explanation as to, to why it's taking so long and some sort of time frame. Well, I'll tell you, uh, with regard to, if I could do a comparison, in Escorty in County Wexford, it's going on now 22 years, has had so many false stands, has had environmental issues that have cropped up left, right and centre, uh, and the town is still very vulnerable and is still likely to be one of the, the areas that has the greatest level of risk of flooding. And, you know, we have... And I feel very sorry for the people in an Escorty, but... For the people in Kings Island, yep. however long it's going to take, are they going to be informed along the way? Have oh, they been absolutely. informed along uh, uh, the, uh, over uh, the past uh, 10 uh, years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, there's a lot of the work already completed, like Verdant Place and things like that has already been completed. And uh, Limerick City and County Council are the lead authority. Um, we're paying for it. Um, and, you know, we've helped design it with, with the external engineers and architects and everybody else that has been involved in it. So there will be. Um, it will be disruptive. There's no doubt about it. You can't defend... Uh, um, an island in the centre uh, of, of a city as big as Limerick surrounded by water without causing disruption. But if you listen to the voices there I don't think that they would countenance uh, going backwards. Uh, you know, they'll accept a disruption because they know there's a bigger prize up ahead. Um, and we estimate that it'll take, you know, between 18 months to, to two years moving around from different parts of the city centre. It'll move, it'll move sequentially around the city centre. But it'll be a massive investment. And as I say, it'll transform people's lives because they'll be able to lie in bed not having to worry about Jerry Murphy or Jerry whoever on Met Air and saying, you know, strong westerlies with a surge 
because that's where Limerick is most vulnerable. Uh, Westerly with a surge and, uh, you know, land sudden coming down from Loch Derg and we have a serious problem in the city then. Not only here, but also in the communities out along Jestry, uh, Eskeaton, Fines uh, and, and out to the mouth of the Shannon. So this is a particularly vulnerable area. Here and Morrison's Island and Cork will be the two biggest projects that we commence this year. They're massive in scale and they will be disruptive. I remember as well, lots of flooding out. I know it's over the border, Clonlara, but a lot yeah. of those people will be working in Limerick. Will they all be protected by these works? Well, the, the, the scheme in Clonlara is almost completed. Um, uh, we we commenced that when I was uh, appointed as Minister for the Office of Public Works. It was a, you know, a scheme that the OPW commissioned ourselves and we built it with direct labour from our own crew. So that, that scheme is, is now almost completed, has been tested in the recent storms and thankfully the, the properties have been, have been protected. So there's going to be uh, extra local amenities as part of this project. Talk to me about that. So one of the things I was anxious to do when I went into OPW was that we don't just build embankments, that we we, we build, you know, we build legacy. Uh, You know, a lot of talk about legacy this morning on the radio. But if you go to Innes, uh, where the flood relief scheme is, is completed, People think that the flood relief scheme in Innes is actually a walkway. It's there by Clare Abbey. If you're coming out, if you're coming from Kilkee or Lahinch and, and Clare Abbey's on your left-hand side, you can see this magnificent walkway. That's actually the embankments protecting thousands of houses in Innes that we just completed there with Clare County Council in the last, uh, I suppose, 12 months or so. We'll be replicating that here in Limerick. We will be incorporating uh, what they call public realms, so improvements to roads, public lighting. Uh, there, there is a field, that a playing surface has to be moved. Um, you know, there will be raised embankments and on those we will be putting walkways on top of them because we're conscious of the fact that we don't want to just um, uh, protect people's houses, which is the ultimately our ambition. But we also want to improve the, the lot of what they have to live uh, cheek by jowl with. Uh, we understand that it's going to be disruptive, but in the long term, we will be leaving a far better uh, project than what we started with and if you look at Waterford City where there's uh, glass glazing the whole way down along the quays that protects the city centre in Waterford uh, and, and is in itself an attraction that's OPW designed and delivered and uh, you know these don't come cheap uh, we're conscious of that but we're we're very fortunate that we have very good neighbours in these communities who work with us and who understand their limitations environmental and otherwise uh, who have been waiting a long time and now we're delighted to be at a situation uh, where we're pressing the button to, to go to tender have a, a contractor in place soon and have construction in place uh, uh, this year. What will be the first phase of construction? So it, it's multifaceted. Look, uh, I suppose from, from our point of view, uh, it, it really is, it's, it's about uh, uh, making sure that the, the, the areas at the greatest level of risk, and if I could just uh, take you through some of it, so um, a lot of railings have to be replaced as a construction of new embankments and there's sheet piling that has to be done on embankments near St. Munchen Street. Uh, it also, it, as I said, re- the relocation of an astroturf, including public lighting. There's new cycleways around St. Mary's Park itself. Um, there's flood defences at Jet Lunker Boat Club. Um, there's a raising of a section of roadway. Um, there's also a replacement of parapets around George's Quay. So there's a huge amount of the actual city centre, including down around the city hall itself, that will be disrupted uh, and and you will see a lot of activity there and I'm sure that this radio station now in the coming... Oh for sure, we'll hear hear about the disruption because... In in the hot weather and the dust and everything else um, but look, you have to break eggs to make omelettes and unfortunately a lot of people have waited for this omelette to be made a long time yeah, but uh, as I say uh, before, you know, the more information people get about yeah. what that disruption yeah. will be, 
the and better. They will. And like uh, in fairness to Limerick City and County Council, they have a good relationship because they've already part of the scheme done. Uh, the earlier part of the scheme is already completed and not a, not a lot of houses are already protected. Um, so as they move along from street to street and, and, and uh, uh, community to community, you know, we will be encouraging them to engage with people, listen to their concerns. Now, we have planning permission, so it's not as if we can tear the whole thing up and start again and, and you know, start chopping and changing. But yeah, the, like interaction with the communities is vital and we've seen that around the country and it's always very helpful. Okay, you wanted to also talk about uh, former Taoiseach John Bruton. We had some tributes on the programme <coughs> yesterday, but uh, obviously a former leader of your own party as well. What are your own memories of him? Well, I, I suppose, you know, um, there's two days in, in the, in, for all of us that you're a great person. The day you come into the world and the day you leave the world. And, uh, you know, I was smiling to myself yesterday when I heard, heard some of the people that were extolling his virtues. But anyway, that's an, and I say if he could hear some of the stuff that was said about him yesterday, he'd probably have that, that, uh, unique laugh that, uh, we all knew him for. John Bruton, one thing we would never do was get lost in a crowd. Uh, because if he started laughing, you'd definitely find him. But he was a, an incredibly decent person. And I was fortunate in my early days getting involved in politics that he encouraged me a lot. Uh, I was president of Young Finnegan when he was leader of the party and we caused him an awful lot of difficulty we caused him an awful lot of problems like with posters around referendums and things like that and we constantly were an irritant to him and he encouraged it uh, <laughs> because he, he said you know that the more of an irritant we were to him the more relevant we were to younger people uh, and you know people I, I suppose in 1997, I remember that general election why he always had a head of grey hair in my mind. He was a young man. Like, he was appointed Taoiseach, uh, or elected Taoiseach, rather, uh, at an age younger than I am now. Uh, and I know that people talk about younger people in politics now. That was a massive achievement in Minister for Finance in his 30s. But I think his greatest legacy will be, and, and, and this part of the country was touched by it, his unwavering commitment to politics purely by peaceful means and an absolute abhorrence of those who would seek to achieve their goals by use of violence. And I remember he was Taoiseach in 1996 when Jerry McCabe was murdered and Ben O'Sullivan left for dead. And the response of the government at that time was absolutely critical in making sure that what we had last Saturday could be achieved because himself and John Major set down the ground rules on which the Good Friday Agreement was based, which was the giant framework document. And had he wavered or wobbled uh, in the face of people who whose sole motivation was the use of violence, we wouldn't have the peace on this island that we have today. And I think that's his greatest legacy. Okay. Minister Patrick O'Donovan, thanks for joining us on Limit today. Your views. Your news. Your 